Welcome. In this episode, Dr. Garcia continues to share through the Alessi Group Facebook Live page about the NAUIC themed days for this past year's Week of the Young Child. This is her fourth installment to highlight Artsy Thursday, where she highlights the importance of art in early childhood programs and how it encourages important foundational areas of development. You're listening to the Early Foundations podcast with Dr. Isela Garcia from Alessi Group. Okay, so let's talk about art. Now, um, art really in in the way that, and I, I have to tell you that I embrace art in the classroom, and here's the reason why. There are a couple reasons, but most significantly, art is the expression of the self, and art should be um, open-ended. And what that means is that the days of crafting, you know, where we have... Um, you know, an example that I see still in classrooms is that spider at Halloween. There's a spider out of a paper plate, and then you crinkle the legs together out of cards or construction paper. That is a craft. That's not art. That has nothing to do with the child's creativity, their imagination, um, being, capturing their thoughts, their feelings, their ideas, their perspectives. That is not art. And um, unfortunately, it has a negative effect. And I get that a lot of kids like to do it. And I get that it's cute. And I get that parents enjoy getting those types of things. Um, but it doesn't support children's um, creativity, their imagination, their opportunity to really explore, discover, and create uh, using different artistic medium. They don't get to have those experiences when it is already been decided by someone else what they're going to create. Um, in in uh, the zero to five realm, many years ago, I would say at least 15 years ago, there was a big push in terms of the area of art that um, we were moving away from those types of craft types of experiences. So instead of making, you know, everybody had the same thing. So 12, 15, 18, depending on the number of kids in your classroom had, you know, like the same sort of horse with the eyes and the the mane with the yarn, or um, let's say they were making pictures of themselves. And so they all had like googly eyes or, you know, hair. And so everybody had a similar, um, if not the same sort of experience, and they were all sort of hanging up displayed in the classroom. We moved away from that. And what happened was instead, um, teachers were creating things like, let's say they were doing a theme and so in their classroom. And so they let children paint or draw whatever they wanted got hair sticking up here, <laughs> draw whatever they wanted or paint whatever they wanted on um, a piece of paper that had already either been cut out prior or cut out after. So I'll give an example, fish. So let's say teachers are um, exploring fish and I won't get into why fish may not be a good thing to explore, but let's say they're exploring fish. And um, so I'm going to let my kids in my classroom paint it however they want. And then, so I'm going to give them the colors that I've selected. I'm going to give them blues and greens and whatever colors that I think would be appropriate for this fish. Maybe we read rainbow fish. And so we're going to use some of those colors from that book and I'm going to put them out, set them out for children. And then they're going to paint however they want. Then what I'm going to do or have somebody do this for me is cut out the fish. And so we use their 
painting and we cut out the fish. So first off, that's not respectful of the child's work. Um, it, it just isn't. Uh, the child didn't get to choose or make a decision based on, you know, what they wanted to do with their work. And so, and it's still the work of the adult, you know, the adult cut out the fish. Uh, the other flip side that I still see very often is the fish is cut out and the children get to color it however they want. And um, neither of those are um, good examples of art. Uh, art, again, I'm going to say it, is the expression of the self. And I will tell you that in kindergarten, first through third grade, um, art is significant for lots of reasons that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But one of the things that we fail to understand that if we want children to develop good fine motor skills, um, to be able to write well, um, we need to give them opportunities to use those muscles in authentic ways. And um, inauthentic ways is by giving them a pencil paper and having them trace things, having them cut on lines with scissors. Authentic ways for them to develop these skills is painting on easels, painting with large paint brushes. The rolling paint brushes helps develop these wrist muscles um, because the wrist muscles need to develop before these muscles do. And all of those those muscles put together really cre create opportunities for children to have a foundation in using their fine motor skills. I was watching children um, several months ago in a classroom and I literally saw five and six year old children, their hands, they just didn't have, they was like this. They didn't have a whole lot of um, fine motor control. And if we want children to feel um, confident in um, those fine motor skills that become very significant as the child continues to grow, we need to give them these types of um, opportunities. So Play-Doh, um, paint brushes, lots of different art medium like chalk pastels and crayons and, um, and oil pastels are fabulous ways for children to really develop some of those um, fine motor skills. Also um, scissors, giving them an array of scissors, you know, the crazy scissors, the regular scissors, a uh, lot and real stuff, real opportunities for cutting, not something that you have, you know, printed or made copies of for them to um, to cut out on lines that that's not an authentic use of scissors. So let's go beyond that. OK, so beyond that is that beyond the expression of the self, art really helps children um be creative. And like I was talking about yesterday with blocks, these open-ended opportunities. And what that means is that there isn't a defined expectation of what it needs to look like in the end. There isn't like, we're all going to make a certain thing and you have freedom within that, but you all, we all have to make a certain thing. Um, that's not real art. And so art really helps children develop a strong sense of self. Um, far too often by the time a child hits four and five, I see this in preschool classrooms all the time. I can't make it. Can you make the horse for me? Um, this is especially true if the teacher begins to or make something um, and uh, does their own art next to the child and the child sees um, the teacher's work and then the, the child starts to do that comparison um, and they go, I can't make mine as, as well as you. Can you make mine for me? Can you make me one like that? So we are born, if you know anything about Brene Brown, she does research around shame and guilt. And one of the things that she researched was um, around creativity. And what she found is that creativity is an innate, um, that we are born with this innate need to be creative. And we get shut down. We get shut down over the course of our lifetime. And what that means is that at some point, many of us have had an experience where we were either told or we, for whatever reason, got, um, in, we 
believed that we were not creative. And um, so it could have been something that we drew, something that we uh, made, or even a story that we had written that required some level of creativity. And if with the feedback we got, or the uh, perception that we did not do a, um, that we were not creative, that we then believe that perspective. And so then we become grownups, you don't know how many trainings I've done where the adults say to me, I'm not very creative. And that actually isn't so we just haven't used that part within us and we have lost the confidence and the belief in this deeper understanding that we all do have um, a creative uh, need. Um, and so young children, it's very distressful, I think, in my mind, when I see children already feel as though they can't do this, that they are unable to make something that looks like something else. You know, it, it's really distressing to me. Um, one of the things, and I know that a lot of classrooms already don't have this, but I am speaking to the classrooms and the teachers and even the parents who do. Um, we really want to shy away and move away from using uh, coloring books and um, and uh, worksheets that have things already pre-printed where children are just simply coloring in. Uh, probably one of the worst things I've seen kind of on that side of the spectrum in terms of not good for kids was those um, anchor charts that I saw that said, this is how you color things. This is how you, um, so you color inside the lines. And it was a very specific chart that said, uh, use, use, or, or it was like, literally like, this is what coloring should look like in the lines, no white spaces and something else. And oh, the, the accurate colors, that's what it was. So like the sky should be blue and the grass should be green. Um, I think that's horrible. It's it's horrifying that we would limit children in this perspective or that we have this idea that staying inside the lines is what we're aiming for. What we're really aiming for is for children to tap into their creativity, to use their imagination, because this, again, these early years, the foundational years for them to be able to implement these at much deeper levels. And so when children have the opportunity to really um, feel proud, there's, there's a sense of um, self that happens when a child is able to create something that they are proud of. And they, you can see it with children who are really experiencing this as a personal um, journey of self-expression. They are like, look at what I made. And I was like, teacher, look at, look at, I did this. And they're beaming with excitement as they're telling you about their painting. They're telling you about their, their story that they created that maybe, you know, tapped into their create, their creativity. Um, we have to value these types of experiences because when a child gets to fourth grade, fifth grade and into college, um, so even beyond these early years, we're really looking at um, opportunities that children are going to be presented with to use their creativity, but it might be at a different level. So even when we look at STEM and STEAM, we're looking at ways that children problem solve. Well, where does that come from? It comes from being able to look outside the box, right? We tap into and we think that it's all this analytical process, you know, a very linear process when actually um, there's so much creativity involved, just solving problems in life. If you go through a situation in your life and you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and you expect different results, we all know that's the definition of insanity. But how do you get out of that cycle? How do you get out of that 
that perspective of just making the same decision over and over again. You have to be able to think creatively in order to problem solve and come up with different, more effective um, approaches to, you know, your circumstances. And so all of that comes from the ability to be creative. It um, And so when we foo-foo it, when we think it's just not a big deal, we're really limiting children's um, opportunities to really give them some foundational skills um, to tap into this creative creativity that's going to serve them for the rest of their lives, like truly for the rest of their lives. As an adult, when I'm looking at, um, when I'm looking at even, you know, home decor, I'm looking at uh, being creative in the work that I'm doing and developing trainings, all of that is tapped into my ability to see myself as somebody who can create something new and different and innovative. That all comes from those foundations. Um, So what kinds of experiences should we have in the classroom? You know, at the very basic level, things that are open-ended. So just paper, different um, sizes of paper, uh, all kinds of uh, painting tools, drawing tools. Now I do teach children how to use certain tools. So like chalk pastels is a really good example. I show them how to use chalk pastels. Uh, You could YouTube anything for some um, instruction as to how to use certain tools. So um, even charcoal pencils, look online, those sketching pencils, um, you know how, what is a, a basic level understanding how to use these tools and introduce the tools to the to the children in the classroom. I often tapped my um, my art my art exploration in with literacy, and so we would read books and then we would look at the illustrations in the books. Maybe there was a technique that was involved, or maybe we were just replicating a book and we did it in our own creative way. And so I often will tap bring those two things together for our preschool children. But in terms of opportunities, they're just really open-ended experiences. And and again, what that means is that they can look like whatever it needs to look like on the back end. So things for collage, different types of um, scraps and pom-poms. And and I like eyeballs, but I like those wiggly jiggly balls. I like those for Play-Doh. I always, I just think they're the cutest thing when, you know, you just have a set of eyes. And what a lot of three, four, and five-year-olds like to do is just fill the whole thing full of eyeballs. (laughs) They think that's hysterical. Um, but there are lots of, uh, if, and, and as I mentioned, uh, yesterday in the session yesterday, um, when we are providing, sorry, that was my phone. When we are providing, uh, open-ended types of materials for children, it, it doesn't need to be stuff that you buy. It could be stuff that you find. It could be, um, even, stuff that comes in packaging materials, you know, in boxes. Uh, Children, that experience of looking at something and going, what can I do with this? How can I be creative with this thing? Um, I am going to share probably into next week uh, some creations that my daughter did uh, because she really has had this foundation of these open-ended types of experiences. So paints, markers, crayons. um, And here's my thing with crayons. I think crayons need to be in good condition because if they're not in good condition, put them in another container and make them um, make them like the ones that you use for rubbings or for melting. I do lots of stuff around melting, particularly if you're in Phoenix or in the southern part of the state where it gets really, really hot. You can do some really cool um, crayon melts outdoors. So you use the sun and just mix some amazing colors. And you can even use a heat gun or a blow dryer to mix the crayons. Um, and that there's some incredible things that you can do with just 
crayons and color mixing. So you take the bad ones out, the icky ones out, and um, store them for a different use. And then, uh, or, and here's another thing to take the peels off of the crayons, stick them in the freezer. Stick your crayons in the freezer and then they'll just, the, the outside paper will just slide right off. Pretty amazing. I used to sit there for hours because we used to do um, iron melt. So we take an old iron and melt down crayons. It's just, they're just an amazing experience, especially if um, you have children tell stories about um, what the image comes out like. It's, it's can be pretty amazing in terms of their creativity. Um, markers, markers need to be in good condition. Please take out the ones that are half dried out, dried out, no caps in them. Um, and I don't care how you present your art materials. That is true, even if you've got those caddies in the middle of your table. Um, but we need to make sure that we are helping children learn how to care for the art materials um, and that we give them the understanding that they are absolutely and completely creative and they have the ability to make things. Um, and you know what? They, what children will say is they, this mine doesn't look like a horse. And I said, well, let's think about how to make a horse. What do you know about horses? You know, do they have like, what do you know about them? And so we start to engage in this conversation about they've got, you know, four legs and then they have a, a nose that looks like this. And then they have a head that looks like this or whatever. And so just ask them those kinds of questions and go, okay, well, how would, how might you draw that? What would be the best way for you to draw that or to make that if we're using dough or Play-Doh or, um, air, you know, there's all kinds of doughs that you can use that can be really open-ended and creative um, or to uh, support that creativity. So ask those questions. What do you know about this? And how might you be able to create that? With my daughter, who's right now making a playground out of cardboard boxes, um, she has to make a spiral, uh, a spiral slide. And I said, well, what do you know about spiral slides? Like, what would be the structure that helps keep it standing? Um, what could you, what could you like think of the things that are shaped that way? Or how can you make it shaped that way so that it would stand, stand tall? So instead of saying, hey, this is what I think you should do, we ask questions ask those questions. What could you use? And what would be the next step? And how did you figure that out? And um, I don't know what colors, what colors would be good for that? You know, I think you can use any color and you want to help in just your language, help them be able to tap into their own sense of creativity, but also feel proud. Um, I'm going to give you a quick story. And then I realized I have gone way over time. Um, when I was a kid, my dad taught me how to make trees, um, like more realistic trees. And so we, I did the branches. So you did each branch uh, and then you did every single leaf. Like literally you just draw in every single leaf with detail. So you do that center part and then you get the little veins and the leaves. I think I must've been about eight um, years of age and I worked really hard on making trees because I was very excited. Now I do come from a family on my dad's side uh, of our artists. Um, many of them, my, my grandma, my tata, my grandfather, he would just draw pictures of us as we were eating and sketches and he would just, you know, hand it to you, hand it to you when you left the table. Um, and so he was always drawing. My great grandfather was also an artist. And so we, I, I was exposed to a lot of that idea that, you know, you can be creative. And so I worked really hard at making this particular tree. And I showed it to my mom. I was so proud of how long it took and what it looked like in the end. And she looked at it and she said to me, that doesn't look like a tree. And that's all it took. That's all it took. In that moment, my sense of pride and my commitment to the work dissipated in that moment. And I went from feeling, and I, you know, I was eight and I was like probably seven or eight. And so 
in that moment, I didn't need a good job. I'm going to make that very clear to everyone. I didn't need, hey, that's beautiful, or, or look at how pretty that is. I didn't need that. What I was seeking is validation. Like, oh my goodness, tell me about the how you made each one of those leaves. That looked like it took a long time. I'm interested in knowing more about your tree. Tell me more about that. That in 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 those types of questions, I would have gotten the opportunity, would have had the opportunity to share my journey, my experience, the challenge that I had, what I felt about it, what I thought about it. Um, when we when we make comments like um, Oh, did, oh, is that, is that your dad? And you're like, no, that's a giraffe or vice versa. You know, oh, did you make a giraffe? No, that's daddy. You know, when we say that, or when we go, oh, that's so pretty. That's such a, it doesn't help the child see themselves as artistic, creative, and it doesn't give them the, the platform to be able to share their journey of this thing that they have developed, they created, that they discovered. Um, and so the types of questions, and I'm going to say this again, are tell me more about that. I would love to know about this. Oh, look at this over here. You used a lot of red paint on this side. Tell me more about that. I was noticing that you kept switching between paintbrushes. It looked like there was some specific reason why you did that. So all all of those types of convert the, the, those questions and that conversation really help children see themselves as competent, capable, creative people, and that really is an important um, part of of the foundational experiences that will serve them well as our world is changing. Uh, creativity is one of the things that I look for in people that I hire. I also look, um, and I know this is going to happen more often than not because robots can do things that are um, that analyze and that spit out information. Information. That's not what we're going to need in our future. What we're going to need is people who can come up with novel ideas um, and to be creative. So keep that in the back of your mind um, when you're planning your opportunities in the classroom for children. So again, open-ended um, experiences. It's not, it's not your art. It's not your arts. We got to let go of the perspective the perception that it needs to be cut out a certain way, that it needs to look a certain way. It is belongs to them. And what you're doing is helping them develop a strong sense of self and to continue that, um, that innate need that we have to be creative. So anyhow, I hope that um, this at least gets you thinking about some of these things. So have a good evening and I will see you tomorrow.